Discovery, go at throttle up. Discovery 4 computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 106 and is being recorded on February 7th, 2020. Today's topic, Spectral Scans, Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episodes 2 and 3. Spoiler alert. This podcast contains spoilers for the Star Trek Picard episode, Maps and Legends, and the episode, The End is the Beginning, You Have Been Warned. I'm Aaron Gallo. I'm Eric Berry. And I'm Eric Dewey. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustrations. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention this podcast for 10% off of your order. How are we all doing this evening? This evening? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, this this evening I'm, I'm talking with you guys, so it's better. Yes, this week has been utter poo. So I'm glad to be sitting down with you guys talking Trek because this week has been... Uh, me too. <laughs> it hasn't been the best week. Yeah, pretty much since last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, I started feeling kind of sick at work. I was like, oh, I'm not feeling quite right. By the end of my shift, I was feeling like death. I ended up calling out Thursday and Friday of last week Ooh. because I thought I was dying. Um, the weekend wasn't much better, but then I was back to work on Monday. Still not feeling 100%, but oh, man. working all week when you're not feeling all all the way there but you know you have to because everybody else is like it's sweeping through the entire department there was one day um wednesday of this week it was just me and one other person in my entire department for about half the day because everybody was out sick it was nuts that's rough but my favorite part of the week is not only watching star trek picard but it's podcasting with you guys oh I think of this as part of my, my therapy regimen. <laughs> you know, I may not be talking to you guys about what's going on in my life and what's got me down and stuff, but just the act of sitting down and talking with you guys, it makes me feel better. So it's, you know, it's something I enjoy doing and uh, I'm glad to have you guys here with me. I think we need to have an ECH or emergency counseling hologram. Mm. Seems like there probably is one. Maybe, maybe we'll see one. I mean, we, we've seen, obviously, the EMH, and now we've seen an ENH for, for navigation. So I'm thinking the emergency hologram programs got uh, bumped up. You know, we've got the emergency command hologram. So I'm sure there's something for everything. Yeah, multitasking. Well, I mean, he was the only one on that ship, and we'll get into it. Yeah. So I guess you need holograms, right? I would think you would. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to discuss. I noticed one of your one of your points, um, and I think we'll have to talk about that when we get to to the second episode um, about those holograms because it is an interesting uh, distinction that uh, that we should probably delve into a little bit with with the storyline that they're that's unfolding in front of us. Indeed. So we have a couple of news uh, bullets here. So let's run through them. CBS All Access broke their sign-up records with the premiere of Picard. <laughs> People oh, yeah. love them. Some Patrick Stewart. We're not the only ones. Pretty exciting. Uh, another news bullet that I meant to put in here, which is 
relevant to this. Viacom CBS is thinking about making yet another streaming service that would include CBS or well, content from CBS All Access, Showtime, and Pluto TV. Which I thought was free. It is free. The report that I read said that there would be a free tier to this other service. Uh, but I, I believe okay. I believe that all these services will continue to exist separately as well. Uh, just another revenue stream. So many streaming services out there, it's hard to keep track. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hope Star Trek just all stays on CBS All Access and we don't have to go like fishing for for this content. And I also hope now that we have Viacom and CBS back together that we'll have the Star Trek films on CBS All Access. That would be nice. When I was preparing for Picard, I watched obviously all the way through Next Generation again for the second dozenth time at least. And I watched all of the next-gen movies as well. And I had to skip all over the place to watch the movies. Uh, a couple of them were on CBS All Access. Then I had to, I, I think, either Hulu or Netflix had one of them. One of them I had to watch on something called Crackle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was Nemesis. That was the one I was like, I really don't want to pay for this movie again. <laughs> I've paid for it once. I bought it on DVD. I know I have the DVD somewhere, but I don't know where right now, so... I'm going to stream it, but I'm like, it's got to be somewhere. But it's not on any of the main services. I found it on a service called Crackle, which did play the entire movie um, uncut. It just was interrupted by advertisements every now and then. But it was, they didn't cut parts of the movie out to make room for the advertisements. They just added ads. This is why I just keep physical media and watched all of the (laughs) movies on (laughs) Blu-ray. That that is a point for for physical media. That's for sure. It's a much easier to keep collections of certain things when they're not together like they like they really should be. It's so weird that things like that get split up. Like uh, the Bond movies get split up like that. Like for a while, all of the Bond movies were on Amazon Prime, and then now some of them are some of them are on Netflix. There's a couple on Hulu. You can still watch them all, but they're all spread out all over the place. It's like, really, guys? Like, one company, just put all your stuff on one thing and call it good. Indeed. Yeah. But that won't happen. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) At least probably not. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the streaming services, they're they're making too much money right now to to quit uh, while they're ahead. Not not Netflix. Netflix is in the red. Yeah. Well, well, Netflix is is losing subscribers um, because they keep uh, they keep shorting their shows. Basically, they they're like they make these great shows, and you're like you get invested, and then they only put out two seasons, and they're usually two short seasons, and that's it, and they're done. And they're like you're like wait, what happened? And so people have figured out that hey, I'm only going to get two seasons of this. Why bother? I'm not going to get invested in this. So mm-hmm. they're they're losing new subscribers, and they, there are people who are canceling Netflix in favor of other streaming services. So I still have mine, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It, it It's definitely, at one point, I thought Netflix would be one of the ones I never cancel. But now it's like, mm, well, maybe not. So we'll see. Another bullet point on our list here, and I can't believe it's been this long. Star Trek Online has turned 10 years old. 
That's amazing. I saw that trailer that they released that was like a celebration of the 10 years, and it announced new content with Michael Burnham and Seven of Nine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy cow, this is great. And I can't believe it's 10 years old. I've only played it as soon as it came out to Xbox. Yeah. And even then, I haven't like finished it or I don't play it regularly enough. Yeah. I, I really need to catch up with it. But I like all the content that they've produced for it so far. And the fact that they're able to get old crew and cast and everyone's like making a really good product so it it's i think it's a great game yeah it definitely switching to the free to play model definitely mm-hmm. was a win for them i think because i know i wasn't going to purchase the game because when it first came out i remember i was just looking through my emails and there's a store called micro center uh, I don't know if yep. you guys have heard of it. Yeah, there's one by me. Yeah, so. yeah. It's right down the street from my work. Um, I got an email from them when it first came out back in 2010, being like, oh, you know, pre-order this and you, you, you'll you get blah, 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 blah. I was like, hmm. Back, you know, back then. But I, I didn't. I, it was like 50 bucks, I think. Crazy. And there was some, like, lifetime subscription tier that was like an insane amount yeah but it did have like a little communicator type of badge yeah that came with that uh physical media back in the day which was uh pretty cool pretty cool wasn't it the badge that's in the game mm-hmm. yeah is the badge in the game different than anything we've seen on screen uh slightly i think it was okay. i mean it's all like you know basic delta shaped right I haven't actually played Star Trek Online at all. Um, the only Star Trek game that I play is Timeline still. But, yeah. It's something that's, it's one of those ones that I'm like, I know if I started, I'd probably get sucked in, and I don't have time. <laughs> so I've kind of avoided it a little bit just because of that. Maybe one of these days when I've got some free time and just want to just sink a few hours into something, I'll be like, all right. I really want a good console game. Uh, Star Trek console game because I know Eric and I when the Star Trek game came out on Xbox uh, did we ever actually get a game that we played together yeah we played yeah we played the the Kirk and Spock one yeah for... did, we, did we finish we it? didn't finish no, it yeah, okay yeah we didn't because we're like this sucks yeah I we need to finish it so I can get the rest of those achievements oh I I actually I finished I did finish the game separate oh, from I you. Did. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't. It was I, we talked about this. It was laggy and the AI yeah. was so terrible. But And and that's why we played it together because yeah. at least I can go if we screw up it's our fault, not crappy AI. Right. But yeah, yeah, we we should we should do that. Do you have your Xbox uh 360 around still? I do. Yes. Yeah, it's a I never got rid of it. Did they ever make it backwards compatible? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) That game sucked. But it's canon too, right? Oh, it isn't everything nowadays. (laughs) It's canon in that you want to put it in a canon and shoot it somewhere. Yeah, at some Gorn. 
like Kirk did. The, those Gorns suck. Bring it back. You know, how Kirk made the cannon fired yeah, at the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a good episode. Nice nice TOS reference. I, yeah. I like how you brought that I was back. Trying. Um, I try. Especially how they they mentioned the the Gorn twice now in Picard. Now, let's move on to my favorite segment of the show. Would you buy it? Um, no. I'm on the fence. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. I I love the idea of the product. I just I I can't think of spending money on it <laughs> in any way, shape, or form because it's literally something you could make. Uh, you, you could no, true. take a whiteboard and write this on it, and you know it would have the same effect as far as the the humor without spending the the money on it. So it was a nice little uh, kind of Easter egg in the show, but no, I definitely would not purchase this item. That's fair. I'm actually on the fence as well. The price point is making me say yes. If this was like. 20 bucks i'd be like yes yeah because i mean this would go with something else i have that's also metal in star trek this is the star trek picard assimilation sign metal sign it's made out of metal (laughs) oh hey well in that case you know what i think would make me pay buy this at this price if they also came with a Romulan one in the Romulan text. Oh yeah, like that, a double see, that, pack. That would be yeah. cool. That would be yeah. something that I couldn't write on a whiteboard myself. Uh, not, at least not very easily. I also would be a little bit happier if it was uh, closer to screen accurate. In the in the one on screen, it did not have a big white space for the. Hmm number of days it just had the line and the numbers were written in white yeah. on it, on the gray. So I'm like, if, if you're going to charge me $35 for a hunk of metal that just has some words on it, no Trek logos, no Romulan logos, no, no nothing to really say that this is a Star Trek item unless you happen to know. you It needs to be at least like 100% screen accurate. And it's just not, so... Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't buy this. So, I, I just happened to click on the Star Trek Picard store in the Star Trek shop. Uh-huh. They already have a T-shirt with uh, the quote from the ENH about Picard. Oh. Chief contact with the Q continuum, <laughs> arbiter of succession. They they already have that as a graphic tee. Interesting. That was a good yeah line. I don't know if it's shirt worthy but the the way they did it is shirt worthy okay let me let me uh let me put this in the chat just so you guys can see okay like yeah it looks like a big block of text but they've did it in different fonts and logos oh, so okay. i think all right it's not bad yeah, not, it's not just terrible. not great <laughs> yeah the um oh so the price uh for the sign is thirty four ninety five. Yeah, no. Um, little little pricey. And it's only twelve by eighteen, so it's not like it's I mean it's not even the same size. The the sign in the show was definitely much larger than that. I wonder whose job it is to go and change the number 
on the signs. <laughs> no, they have one of those stupid floating robots for that. Yeah, that's probably true. It's got like a floaty robot with a with a dry erase marker in its arm. Right. <laughs> I oh, hate for those. Sure. Oh man, you know what's funny is I we have you know at work a sign like that that says you know we've gone X number of days without a loss of work incident or whatever. And it's funny because every now and then I'll walk by it and you know at one point we were in the thousands we were in like the it was like 2300 something days and then i happened to walk by a little later and i looked and i was like this is 60 days I'm like wait when did when did something happen <laughs> <laughs> like obviously two months ago something happened but i had no idea i was completely unaware of it and they don't change it every single day it's just like when they think about it <laughs> they change it maybe someone just erased it and was like yeah 60 no one reads this 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 is one of those ones that has like the the hard plastic numbers that you have to change out it's not written on it but i do really like that chateau card wine glass though although it would be better if it were again the wine glass that was shown on screen but it is still pretty cool looking now you've got me searching through the uh, (laughs) card shop on (laughs) startrek.com so let's jump into it shall we Let's. So, Star Trek Picard, Season 1, Episode 2, Maps and Legends. Picard begins investigating the mystery of Dodge, as well as what her very existence means to the Federation. Without Starfleet's support, Picard is left leaning on others for help, including Dr. Gerardi and an estranged former colleague, Rafi. Meanwhile, hidden enemies... <laughs> you just skipped the names you couldn't pronounce. <laughs> they didn't know that, Eric. <laughs> Not until now. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think uh, Rafi's last name has been said on air, so I'm not sure exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced either. That's true. But they, ha- but Agnes is pretty common. Agnes Gerardi. Yeah. yeah, but I could s- it's okay. It's all right. Meanwhile, (laughs) hidden enemies are also interested in where Picard's search for the truth about Dodge will lead. So uh, I picked a bunch of highlights from this episode uh, that I thought were probably the major things uh, to talk about. If you guys have anything else, feel free to jump in and... uh, and say it. I, I put. I try to put these in chronological order, but these were just things that popped in my brain. Right, right. So uh, yeah, let's uh, get into it here. We see the the destruction of Mars uh, up close. We see less sophisticated androids, and they're really treated horribly by the staff. And that reminded me of how Pulaski treated Data. Oh, that's a good point. I hate Pulaski so much. <laughs> And that's why I hated Pulaski. Like, eh, she's a good doctor and everything, whatever. She's mean to Data. I don't like her. <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked that scene. You know, we saw how they interact and how they were kind of having a little fun with the android. But at the same time, like, some of them were kind of like, hey, you know, like, be chill. Like, he could rip you in half and whatnot. Like, they're, like, cognizant of the fact that these things are super strong, but they also are treating them as if they have no feelings whatsoever, which may be 
uh, the case, or maybe what they assumed, we also see that this wasn't like a coordinated like effort between the synths. You know, that was always a question mark that I had when they talked about these rogue synths attack. It's like, was this like a group of synths who got together and talked about it and said, okay, here's what we're going to do? Or were they taken over by something? And it really makes it appear in this scene that they were mm-hmm. taken over by something. You see the like the light flash in his eyes. It's like F8 all of a sudden like, like, oh, uh, like something took over his program. Right. Very similar to Arium in Discovery. Yeah. yeah. And a little bit like uh, Data in um, the episode Brothers when Dr. Soon activated the homing signal and Data all of a sudden just like click. Oh, I'm going to yep. do this now. And just did, you know, just reverted to this base level of programming to do a specific task. Um, so I, I kind of felt like there were some similarities there as well. Yeah. Uh, but I love the interaction between F8. I love that they tried to give him, like, they're, like, trying to tell him jokes, and he's, like, he gets this big old grin on his face, and they're, like, did you get it? He goes, no. <laughs> and walks away. And I, I just thought that was so fun, because it really reminded me of the early days of Data, when, yes. you know, before he, when he was still trying to just understand the basic premises of humor and things like that. So I, I really kind of felt that. I really I really kind of liked that scene. I really liked that we got this whole flashback because mm-hmm. it was really cool to see the rescue fleet above Mars yeah. because those looked like newer Starfleet ships, not mm-hmm. what we saw in Children of Mars, which were kind of like, you know, they were taking old 200-year-old ships out of the mothball fleet. Like, there was a distinct design to these ships. Like, they were totally stripped down, meant to have these big transport containers for people. And I just, I, because I really like the design of it because you could see, like, the Enterprise E type uh, impulse reactors, like the yeah. shape of the nacelles. I was like, that's really cool. And we even got to see one of the newer shuttlecraft mm-hmm. uh, that was originally for Nemesis. Yep. The Argo. The Argo, yeah. yeah. And so I really like that, you know, continuity-wise, everything was pretty much there. Yeah, these these androids are pretty freaky. I mean, they're <laughs> they're kind of like Data, but like a dumb version of Data. And... I don't know. There's that uncanny valley type of like, I think it would give anyone the creep. So I think yeah, the, yeah. the workers were very justified in their, in their treatment of it. Yeah. They definitely made it very clear that it wasn't like, Oh, these guys, these guys hate the, the synthetic workers and they're being mean to them because they don't like him. It was more of a, they felt uncomfortable around them. And so they were kind of, they were making fun of it almost to assert their dominance. Like we're, we're real mm-hmm. and you're not. And so we need to uh, assert our, our realness over you. And, you know, and some of them weren't really about it. Like they were like, just like guys, like calm like, down. leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I feel that way. Like sometimes I don't, like we have uh, Amazon echoes in our house and sometimes <laughs> my daughter, my wife will like, 
they'll ask it a question and they don't like the answer. They're like, oh, shut up, Alex. I'm like, ah. I'm, I'm just like, you know, this is why the robots are going to take over <laughs> because you guys are mean <laughs> all the to the echo. Like, like I, I catch myself. I don't even do it on purpose, but I'll like ask my Alexa to do something. And when it doesn't, I'm like, thank you. And like, I'm like, I really just thank Alexa for playing the song I asked her to play. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but who cares? Like, common courtesy should never feel out of place you know i don't know it's just one of those things like that's you want to know why the robots uprise that's why <laughs> we're mean to because we're impolite <laughs> <laughs> but i am glad and you know that's we get another flashback to this time in episode three which we'll talk about but i kind of like the idea at least with these two episodes that we're getting flashbacks to the the time that everything happened. Mm -hmm. I thought children of Mars was kind of going to be it. Yeah. And so I was actually surprised when the second uh, season or second episode uh, opened up with this flashback. I I was very happy about that. Yeah. We're getting a lot more detail of the actual attack here. Children of Mars just gave us kind of a tease, I think of the attack itself, but it was an an independent story uh, Mm -hmm. on its own. And I think they did that on purpose. So it's like, if you watch Children of Mars, you got that story and you got that little tease of what was going to be happening in Picard. But if you didn't watch that and you watch Picard, you're still getting the full story. You know, there are some things that are still like kind of, uh, you know, you had to, these two episodes, there were a few more moments where my wife like had to stop me and be like, okay, wait a minute. Why, why did you just get so excited about that? Or stuff like that, because she hasn't watched TNG. Uh, one of the things that I read, I think it was through Trek Corps or, or someone, that this episode was actually extended. Like, originally it was supposed to be like a two-part opener, but okay. they had enough footage and stuff to m- make it into three. Oh, okay. So that's why the director is the same for the first three episodes. And so there was a couple things that they added to kind of flesh things out. I guess originally this whole Utopia Planitia thing wasn't going to be in the original script. So I'm glad that they started like showing everything and really said, hey, we've got enough here for three episodes. I think it was smart for them to keep that pacing going and... I really do appreciate these flashbacks because it's filling in that 14 year time gap. And, you know, as we'll talk about in the next episode, I thought it was great to see Picard in a uniform again. No doubt. It really was. um, Patrick Stewart has said in an interview that that's how they're doing the story between TNG and now is giving us flashbacks. He said they're going to trickle out that story a little bit at a time as the season progresses. So we can expect more of this, I think, as we go along. We're going to get caught up on what's happened for these last 20 years over the course of the next eight episodes or or seven episodes that we haven't watched yet. Um, So it's an interesting way to do the storytelling and I appreciate it because they're not trying to like go back and just dump all of the information on us at once. And I think they're doing a good combination of flashback and current time. Mm -hmm. It's not too much of one or not enough of one. So far it's been a really good balance, I think. 
and they've been very good also. I really hate when shows flash back and forth and back and forth between different time frames without making you really 100% aware of it. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of shows that I've watched with my wife where we're like sitting there going like, wait, wait did this wait, did this happen before what we just saw? Wait, when is... And like they <laughs> rely on just clues within the scene to tell you when the scene is happening. And they mm-hmm. jump all over the place time-wise. There's some good shows, but they still, like, it's like, what, 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 what? We were watching uh, The Ozark on Netflix. Great show, but they do overuse that kind of flashing back, going back and forth and back and forth in time. And so you're like, wait, when did this happen? You know, whereas yeah. in Picard, they're being very clear about, okay, this was 14 years ago. And they, like, give you the... The timestamp on the screen telling you this is when this happens. It's another thing I'm thankful for because I I really like timeline stuff. And so, you know, with this episode, everyone's like, oh, 14 years ago, 16 years ago for this. And now it's like, okay, there it is. 2385, 14 years. We're in 2399 in case you had any misconceptions or, you know, didn't know what was actually going on. Bravo, Charlie, (laughs) 374.29Z. But but you know what? We haven't heard heard a star date yet. Right. Yeah, we have not. Well, up until the very end of the second episode, we haven't been in space yet. Other than flashbacks to Mars. Yeah, so um, why why would we have a star date when you're not in, in stars? So maybe we'll start getting some star dates now that they're on a ship and Potential. Admiral's log. Yeah. <laughs> Disgraced Admiral's log. <laughs> supplemental. Damn, still no star date. <laughs> yeah, <it was> supplemental. <laughs> uh, I hate when they did that in Enterprise 2, and it was like, Captain's log, supplemental. I'm like, but you never gave us the date. <laughs> yeah. Supplemental to what? Oh my gosh. What's wrong with you? So this is uh, actually something that I mentioned to Eric Dewey. I th- I believe anyway. I am not a huge fan of these flashbacks. I, I mean, I like that we're getting... What? I, I like that we're getting what? the content. <laughs> I just don't like flashbacks. I, what I would have preferred uh... was a short trek that encompassed all these flashbacks. No, because no one's going to watch those. I, we I mean, the casual people. I like it. I like that it's confined to the... The actual story. Okay. How about a short, at the end, a short track of just the the, the flashback sequences? No. What? Why not? I think we're going to get that essentially in the comics and novels is what we're going to get. They don't count. For the, for the, convenient, for the com- complete backstory of what's happened since TNG, I think it's going to be the comics and novels where we're going to get that story if we want it. Yeah. I just want it in the show. <laughs> Keep it in the show. It's a narrative device. No, I, 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 and I'm good I with it. it. And it's a, you know, it. We had discussed uh, via, via text. Yeah, you, you had said, Aaron, that you didn't like the, the flashbacks as much. But I had said that um, I like what they did with the short track. Like, especially Children of Mars, I thought was very well done because it was its mm-hmm. own independent story mm-hmm. that told its own thing, that did its own thing by itself, but also gave us just a little hint of what was going on in Picard yeah. without giving up too much and also without being too vital so that if somebody didn't watch it, 
they could still watch Picard. They're walking a very fine line with Picard. They want mm-hmm. to draw people in who have never watched any Star Trek before, but they also want to keep us happy, the people who have watched Trek, all of it, every single episode, multiple times. So they're, they're walking a tightrope here. And so far, I think they're doing a pretty damn good job of it, personally. That my opinion. Yeah, and one of the points, like, to to your point, what they did in the show, like, you know, through dialogue, they're reinforcing some of this stuff, like with Loris talking about the Tal Shiar being the secret police. Like, it wasn't like a backfisted, the Tal Shiar, the secret police of the Romulan Empire. It, it was just natural in the dialogue. Yeah. So for us, we're like, oh, yeah, Tal Shiar, those guys suck. But then... <laughs> But then, you know, for people like, like my wife, who's only seen, you know, a handful, we, they briefly touched on in our rewatch or for like your wife, Eric, like, oh, Tao Shiar. And then they say it's the Romulan secret police. Like they, even non-fans can kind of follow along. And I like that they're doing that naturally through dialogue. It's smart writing. And it goes back to your point, Eric, of like walking that fine line between fan and non-fan right like i said most of my wife's questions regarding what is going on as far as like you know like oh well why is this important compared to you know with with tng it's not having to do with the storyline she's not having any problem following the story without that information it's just she Mm -hmm wanted to know you know why are you so excited about this like why did you just jump out of your seat basically when this happened on screen i was like oh i'll tell you why (laughs) (laughs) but without that information the story is still being told the story is still being able to be consumed by people who haven't uh been in there it's just like it's just a little extra for those of us who Mm -hmm. have watched it and so far i think they're doing a damn good job i really do so I'm, i'm curious to see where they go from here I think these two episodes were fantastic, and um, they really did cap. They they said that these three episodes were kind of one piece of the story, chapter one, basically. And I really think that that is uh, definitely the case, and I think they did a good job with chapter one so far. So we'll talk about a few more details when we get to the second episode. Well, speaking of the Tal Shiar, this Romulan tech I, I had a bigger question. I know you didn't like the, the Romulan tech, Aaron, just from the uh the the show notes, but you I guess you can just beam into some dead person's apartment out of the blue. But we get some more scenes of Boston, so that's cool. <laughs> uh Yeah, but we're not gonna talk about the weird beaming in for no reason. Like, can I just beam into your home There's, there's two ways you can, you can think about this. The A is that maybe they got permission from the owner or manager no. or whatever of the apartment <laughs> beforehand. Or B, you could look at it as, well, it's Admiral frickin' Picard. He can do what the hell he wants. Or you could do it as C. Or Laris. Well, she's Tal Shiar. She can do whatever the heck she wants. Um, that is one thing that I don't think they made clear to anybody who hadn't read the comics mm. until these, t- these episodes where they like all of a sudden they're like, Oh wait, these two Romulans that are hanging out with Picard were Tal Shiar. What do you know? Whereas those of us who read the comics know that they were ex Tal Shiar that, uh, that Picard is now harboring essentially and have become his, his, I, I don't want to say his servants, but like 
the caretakers of his estate, right. you know, um, because they were working as winemakers on uh, on, on a, a planet <laughs> on yeah. a different planet in the Romulan Empire that was going to get destroyed by the supernova, and they were saved by Picard. That's why I love the comics and these little touches is because if you are, you know, a super trucky and you're consuming all this media, just the context that you get to see these characters come alive from the comics and, and all that. And that's why I was doubly excited that we got the flashback for episode three, uh, which we'll go into, but Mm -hmm. I just love how it all connects together. And if you are reading the comics, if you are doing all of that, then you get this bigger, complete picture of what's going on. And it's really cool. But speaking of the technology that Aaron highlighted, and we haven't given you a chance to really tell us your side of it, but um, I, I do have some thoughts on its usage in the story, but uh-huh. I don't disagree with you, your, your notes here. So what, tell us what you thought about this, this Romulan technology, this molecular reconstruction, whatever... I don't. I don't remember what, the what term they used for it. I'm not sure what the term was, but it's like ghost hunters, basically. <laughs> um. <laughs> I feel like they've used something like this in Trek before, though, where they were able to, or maybe I'm thinking of it. It might have been in some other sci-fi where they were able to find like residual molecules of past actions, and maybe I'm. No, no, I don't think it was Trek. Actually, I think it was another sci-fi. Yeah, it doesn't show or sound movie or familiar. <laughs> this, uh, this technology, I mean, it's it works for the episode what they're trying to do, right? But it really doesn't make any sense unless you're going with like how ghosts can like leave echoes that like repeat themselves. <laughs> If you're into that, but I, you know, I would have liked it if it, if she said, oh, this beam is going to emit some chronotons or something, just something like a little yeah. time travel element or like tachyons. She, and it's she like, drop the term leptons because she said that the, in order to clear the, the thing, they had to saturate the location in anti leptons. <laughs> so the device must read leptons of some sort. Here's the thing. I actually agree with you guys. The tech was. A stretch, but I think it was necessary to to tell the story because I would have actually been upset if they'd have been able to watch the whole thing play out again. I'd have been like, okay, that's too easy. The fact that they used it just as a device to show that someone had been there who was tech savvy to clean up right. the mess. So all we end up seeing is just the very briefest of images, and then it's like, oh, wait, it's gone. What I also really loved about the scene was just the the interaction between Picard and Laris. Yes, when when he's like, you know, that technology is illegal. She's like, really? I wasn't aware. And he's like, it's also wildly unreliable, and you know, whatever. And she's like, yeah, that's what we wanted you to think. <laughs> I love that interaction between them. So I, it was worth it. It was like, okay, I can accept the throwaway tech line to get that interaction. Mm-hmm. And I was I was happy with the end result of the uh, of the of the whole thing, but yeah, it, the technology itself is a bit of a stretch. I would have liked to have a little bit more explanation of how it works, but that's just the kind of the techie in me, I guess. 
you know, saying like, right. hey, give me, give me more about how this beam magically lets me see what happened in a room two days ago or a week ago From, or whatever Yeah, it was. two days. <laughs> what well, could have worked, it, it wouldn't have given the same interactions between between these two. But if there was a security camera in the room, which is, you know... the Which other people have used the security cameras to monitor the situation. In fact, they were doing it showing that she was erased from the explosion. Yeah. They were doing that in his office. So I'm like, but, but that was a public they just space tapped into her as opposed to somebody's apartment. Like I wouldn't want to think security that... cameras in my house. Yeah. And you would think like in star Trek time, every panel and device could be recording stuff yeah. too. And then we get into it. There's a hollow emitter that could just like project it onto where right. it was and then it like sh- cut short at the same point same effect yeah you could have done the same effect without anti-lepton bs like <laughs> <laughs> or she could have used some romulan hacking technique or something yeah it, it, you could achieve the same effect without ooh, ghost hunters starfleet <laughs> maybe, maybe it'll come back up in a way that makes things make sense but I, I will agree with you. As of right now, honestly, that moment when she starts doing that, I was like, wait, what? That was literally the only moment in the entire episode that kind of took me out of the story for a second. I yeah. was on board for literally everything else. So that, if we were doing likes-dislikes, that would have been probably my only dislike for this episode. And even that, like I said, I'm willing to excuse it for the interaction I got. So, uh, like I said, I would have been more than happy if they just said it had something to do with chronotons. Cause I'm like, okay, little tiny, wimey time travel, <laughs> kind of a projectural thing. Like, I would have been far more happy with it. If they did that, than the head cannons about like the temporal cold war and Romulans, like the future guy, all good things. Uh, I'm getting to, yeah, all good things. Yeah. 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 The z- the Zatvash. The, the Zatvash. Yes, I'm glad you guys said it because I would mispronounce it. They're like the new, the actual secret Romulan police. Secret, secret, secret police that don't like AI and prevent its development. I I did like that. At least there's a lot of doubt surrounding them. Mm-hmm. I love the interaction between Laris and Javon. Uh, on this when she's like telling the story and he's like they don't exist nope it's a story nope he's just shaking his he's just over in the corner just shaking his head like ah this crap again <laughs> fake news <laughs> hashtag or or fake mythology uh, i don't like that well word. see oh. remember they don't believe in my, she doesn't like that word yeah but you news. said fake not, news that, this next episode fake, we, we don't know that she doesn't like that word yet we don't even know who she is yet <laughs> Leave me alone. No, but the the Zatvash, I think it's an interesting concept. For me, it reminded me, I don't know if you guys have played Mass Effect, Mm -hmm. but in that series, the whole galaxy in that series had a ban on artificial intelligence. And there was a whole robotic race that was in that game that was kind of ostracized and uh, like kept secret. And... That was only because back in time, it almost wiped out all life in the galaxy. And I'm wondering if Star Trek Picard is taking a little bit of from that where, Mm. you know, maybe something happened 
long ago in the Romulan and Vulcan split, where's or something super early in their past after the split, where something bad happened with AI, yeah, and they created that that whole cabal or whatever that she called it, right? Uh, cabal and <laughs> enterprise. I'm yeah. temporal cold war. I don't know. I'm I'm making connections, but uh, but no, I just I thought it added a, another layer of secrecy and uh, just another layer of intrigue to to the series i i know yeah they could have done tal shiar but the fact that it 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 sounds romulan like oh you think these are the secret police no we got more secret police so i mean that's their whole culture secrets upon secrets and we we're starting to learn more about that through the series and i think it's pretty cool I think it's a neat concept. Yeah, considering that the Romulans have been around from the original series, we haven't really learned all too much about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learn more about the Klingons than than any other species. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, it's good to dive in to the Romulan culture here. Yeah, I, I liked the idea of the the, the Zavash, the fact of their existence, because it's it's one of those things that. Again, it mirrors real life. You know, there was a time and we thought here in, in the United States that the CIA was the most secretist organization that we had. And then we come to find out years later that there's an NSA that nobody knew about for like forever and ever and ever. Now everybody knows about the NSA. So there's probably another organization that we don't know about right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is is operating because now it's like oh crap the NSA is known now so um, now we're now we now we have to have a different group so it wouldn't surprise me if other cultures had this sort of thing uh, going on as well there there's a uh, a common uh, fan theory so to speak that uh, every culture in the world has had some version of ninjas but that. Japanese ninjas were actually the worst because we know about them. <laughs> so it's it's kind of one of those things. Like I, it would make sense that they would have even more la- and there may even be layers above the Zavash that we don't know about yet because it seems almost like they're too well known. Because even members of the Talshiar know about the Zavash. So at that point, they're like, oh, crap, you know, mm-hmm. now we need to bury it even another level deeper. So we might even see deeper levels of security and like maybe not different sects than the, the Zavash, but maybe groups within them or tiers within them, like leadership levels that, that nobody even knows exist. You know what that sounds like a good plot for? The new Section 31 series coming uh-huh. to CBS All Access. I'm actually super excited for that because I love me some Michelle Yeoh. I'm not. And I'm, I'm on board. <laughs> but we'll talk all about it on the Starfleet right. Escape podcast. We will. <laughs> Begrudgingly in Aaron's case. <laughs> Let's jump to the Stargazer. I am so glad that that came up. Yeah. Who would have thought? Yeah. But then, where the heck is Beverly? That's the real yeah, question. That's interesting. If this guy is Picard's doctor, what's going on with Beverly? Here's my theory on it. Because I thought about the same thing, too. Like, man, this would have been a perfect opportunity for them to bring Gates back, you know. 
But then I thought about it, and if you look at the character of Crusher, she was one of the few people who would stand up to Picard and tell him, no, you cannot do this. And Mm -hmm. he knows that. He knows that, you know, if he's asking for essentially a favor to get cleared to go out into space when he knows damn well that he shouldn't be, he can't go to, he can't go to Crusher for that. There's no way. Yeah. There's also the possibility that maybe there's been some more, maybe, maybe there's been a romantic liaison of some sort in this last 20 years that didn't go well. I mean, we know in all good things that, they got married and then divorced. So mm-hmm. now we know that that future didn't actually end up taking place because he changed that timeline. That, that was the whole point of all good things. But we know from that, that there's that possibility. And speaking of all good things, we find out that Picard has this issue. The aromatic syndrome. I was so mad that they didn't say that word. I was, I was waiting for it. So much like they talked about the defect in his parietal lobe, yeah. which was the exact verbiage that Crusher used in in All Good Things, but they stopped short of actually saying aromatic syndrome. I was like, I want, I just wanted them to say it. I was like on the edge of my seat waiting, um, just even as a pos- not like you have this, but just like here's one of the possibilities. It could be this, this, or aromatic syndrome. Like it would have been a nice little nod, I think, but yeah. Maybe it'll come later on. I don't know. I like the doctor, though. Yeah. M- Moritz Benayou. Yeah. The doctor was awesome. I, I really liked him. I hope we get to see more of him in the series because I think that he seems like a cool character. And I'd like to hear more of his backstory with Picard being his, being his, I guess, I guess he was the CMO on the Stargazers. So. And it's cool that, you know, they mention things like, oh, well, I, you know, I thought my at-home medical scan would be good enough or whatever. And I kind of like that. It's it's kind of leaning to what is going on in the real world. Like, you know, you have apps that you can check, you know, your stuff and send that information to your doctor over the internet. Right. Or an Apple Watch. Yeah. So, Picard ends up going to the CNC, and we get that scene where he walks in and above there's the hologram of the new enterprise ncc 1701 and then it switches to the his galaxy class starship gorgeous starship ever Uh, and he and he gets a smile on his face put a smile on my face too oh yeah and then he he walks up Guy had no idea who the hell he was. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty funny. It was like he walks up, he's like expecting him to yeah. know that he's John Luke Picard. Yeah, and I really, I I love the way they played this because I thought it was very smart writing. Because not only are you getting this moment where, you know, yeah, it's a little humorous moment where this young kid doesn't know who Picard is until after he hears the name. He's like, oh, good to see you out up and about, Admiral. You know, like. You're an old man. Like, it's good to see that you're walking on your own two feet. Like, hey, great. Yeah, it was a little humorous moment, but it also kind of foreshadowed the reception he was going to receive when he went to see the Commander-in-Chief. You know, you get this this sense mm-hmm. of he is no longer relevant in Starfleet. He once was. He once was one of the preeminent members of the Federation. Like, you think Starfleet, you think John Luke Picard now half of these people don't know who he is and the other half wish they did. So I, I thought it was a really good way for them it's to sad. kind of foreshadow the reception he was about to receive 
because um, it didn't go well for him. <laughs> not not in the slightest. Yeah, uh, she basically thinks he's delusional, swears at him. Although, I, I've originally in our chat, I was like, oh, that's kind of BS, like, I don't like them doing that. But it shows the gravity of the situation and how angry she rightfully had to be because he blasted right. them on in front of trillions of, you know, yeah, members right. of the galaxy. Right. Uh, I mean, that would piss me off, too. But I also like that. I don't know. It, it just it put like a real like punch to that. You can see. And that's the great thing about patrick stewart as an actor like you could see that her words yeah. cutting right into him it was so great right to that actress too I, I don't have her name off the top of my head but people always talk about patrick stewart bringing up the level of acting in a room you know everybody else acts better when he's there and i don't think she was any exception she really brought it in that scene because i felt not only like yeah, she was angry about what he had said on TV, you know, the hollow, whatever they call it, and about the fact that he had quit, he basically rage quit Starfleet because they wouldn't do what he wanted to do, and now he's back here asking for a favor. But you could also, you get this sense from her in that scene that not only, she's not just mad that he left and now he wants back, He's she's also dealing with this envy of the fact that he is always going to be remembered as this great member of the Federation. He's always going to be remembered as this great man, this great Starfleet officer. And it doesn't matter what she does in her life. She could work her entire life for Starfleet and do great things and never be mentioned in the same breath as Jean-Luc Picard. So you, you get this sense of you are supposed to be this great legendary thing, and you're coming to me asking for a favor after you just trash talked to like no like on so many levels no and that's why you you just see this this pure <laughs> rage and hatred and envy like all at once and I just I thought the actress did a brilliant job of conveying that to me anyways and and even in the scene where she talks to oh she said like yeah it was just it was kind of sad and and yeah. when she said that it it almost seemed like Again, to me, I was picking up notes of, of envy and kind of like she was saying it was sad, but more she was like, there was still some fear behind her words as far as like, she's still got this nagging. I, I feel like she's still got this nagging sense in the back of her mind. Like, what if he's right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's why she uh, she contacts the Commodore to... Right. You know, he's probably insane, but won't you... But I have to check. Yeah, go go check this out. We see her, uh, the Commodore here, with the edict symbol. The convo with the uh, CNC cuts out. She calls over uh, this other person, who we learn is... Uh, <laughs> Narek's sister. And when we talk about the next, so we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, wow, that's an interesting sibling relationship. R uh, Rizzo is the Rizzo. undercover. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Rizzo. Calls over Rizzo and was like, is that disruptor fire in the reflection there? Like, I don't see it. So 
I'm thinking O is Romulan. She's either but, Romulan oh, or yeah. working. I mean, yeah, I mean, she's definitely working for the Romulans or with the Romulans. She is pretending to be Vulcan or she is Vulcan, but a Romulan right. sympathizer. That's unclear as of right now. But yeah, I, I think that showing the edict, it's trying to. Oh, it wasn't just the edict. It was like the, the, the Kirshana. Yeah that we saw from Enterprise, like the mini one, there's a Vulcan harp in the back of her office. Like, it's kind of blurry, but if you look, it's it's there. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty hammering the head, like, she's a Vulcan. Right. <laughs> yeah, so we're meant to believe that she's Vulcan, for sure. But then why is she working with the Romulans? Or, or the Zat Vash is originally Vulcan, like maybe it's it's so ancient of an order, it goes back to the time so of awakening. It's actually, it, maybe it's combined. Maybe, maybe the the Zatvash is the last combined Vulcan Romulan thing that exists. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Now I was, I was I was trying to think of like man, shouldn't these sensors be able to distinguish between Romulan and Vulcan? I know that. It's only been like 2,000 years, so probably not. Their chemistry, biology is probably almost identical. And uh, I was trying to think of some instances where the show that Romulans and Vulcans... Well, Romulans have pretended to be Vulcan, and that happened at least twice in yep. uh, The Next Generation. The the one time it was that that Vulcan ambassador right. chick, yeah, who quote unquote died, and, and then that was a good episode, and then the episode Gambit, yes, where Picard's pretending to be the smuggler, and all all the stuff happens, and the Vulcan on the ship who's helping mm-hmm. to put this Vulcan weapon thing together, and it is goes the other way too. Him. I mean, you look at reunification. Part one and two, you have Spock pretending to be Romulan. So uh, this this last bullet point I have here is was a complete curveball to me. I don't know if you guys saw this coming or not, but the Borg cube artifact is actually a science research facility, and uh, the Romulans are using the Borg tech for a profit. Yeah, I thought it, it wasn't really a curveball because you could kind of see that at least to me in the first episode, but. It was still surprising that they referred to it as, like, I was like, oh, man, like a research facility? That's kind of weird. Yeah. And it's it's also kind of cool because you see all of these Federation species, too. Right. And so in the next episode, they mentioned the Romulan Free State. So it's like you've got the Romulans not with the Senate or whatever, if the Senate even exists anymore. And then you've got, like, the bad Romulans, like, you know, the Zatvash or the Tal Shiar. So you've got these two sections, and they don't have a planet. they got to make resources somehow. So somehow this cube was in Romulan space, and this was two years before, because they said it was 16 years. Mm. And I think it's cool that, you know, they mentioned that they're selling this stuff for profit and this and that. And you see so many different species, like the, the girl that uh, Soji was with Trill. Uh, was Trill. Yeah. 
and you saw Andorians. I'm like, I'm all about the Andorians. So I was seeing <laughs> them. And But you see these Federation species on a Romulan-controlled thing. So there's some species and at least some research groups that are not really tied to this whole government thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the part that was, uh, was, was a surprise to me was the fact that this Romulan group, you know, that obviously controls this cube is allowing researchers from other. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me that they're using the tech for, for profit, that that's their, their, their ultimately like, that's how they're paying for the whole thing. That's not shocking at all, but Romulans allowing, any other species to share in mm-hmm. anything that they have is is a rarity to begin with. So that was definitely a bit of a surprise. It's like, okay, we thought, you know, when I saw just just her on the ship, it's like, okay, well, you know, she's an expert, and also they, you know, believe that she's an android, or some of them, they believe she's an android, so they're wanting to keep her close. So, like, I, I could accept one person... But then when they show like, oh, they've got this whole group of people and yeah, it's, it's like, wow, okay. So they're, they've grown a little bit, you know, they're allowing mm-hmm. other people to come in and do this research. As long as they get the tech, they're happy. And that's why I like this distinction between the Romulan culture. It's like whatever this Romulan free state is, obviously after the destruction of their home world, I think they're going to be a little bit more open with other races now because now it's like a fight for survival they don't have the resources of an empire anymore i I think it's an interesting development for their whole culture really yeah absolutely i i I completely agree i also think though that we're dealing probably with several subgroups of romulan i don't think we're just dealing with a couple like we've seen a couple so far we've seen the, the the zavash or the this group that's trying to capture these girls um, and then we've seen the the group that's running this cube as a research facility, but we haven't seen. I, I'm sure there's there's entire other group. You know, we're going to see at least in the next episode for sure. We're going to see this other group of uh, essentially refugees that may be completely separate from these other two mm-hmm. groups as far as their ideology and their structure. So I think we're going to see several. You know, because the Romulans would have been the Romulans that survived would be you know, split all over the place. So I think we're going to see a lot of differing cultures start to emerge just from that. And I'm, I'm here for it because it seems like it's going to be pretty dang cool. I'm, I'm about it. Uh, same here. So what do you guys rate this? I'm going to rate this a three pips commander. There, there was parts I didn't like, like what, like what you were saying, Aaron, with the Romulan tech scene that, I mean, there was parts of it I liked, but some like the technology behind it kind of took me out. And personally, I didn't really like like she met this dude like a day ago, and then they're already like, "Woo, you're in bed with me." And uh, I mean, that's just like I know life comes at you hard, but I accepted that one hundred percent, and I'll tell you why. Um, I know he's supposed to be the 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 bad guy quote-unquote, but my goodness, I, that man's voice could just do things <laughs> to a person. I mean, oh my. 
it doesn't matter what he's saying. Like, I'm just, just like, I would hand him the phone book and just read me this, please, while I go to sleep. Like, oh my gosh. I don't trust that green. Oh, no, I don't trust him as far as I could throw him, but um, his voice is fantastic. I love this guy's voice. I would, I mean, he would be the ultimate podcast guest because, man, that is, that is a voice. We should, we should try to get him on the show. If he's on Twitter or Instagram or something, I'll be like, dude, you have got the voice of an angel. Yeah, don't don't open with that. Like, whoa, man. Like, oh, man, your, voice. your voice does things to me. Would you like to be on my show? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I'm okay with that because, I mean, it, it does happen. You know, people hook up quick, especially in stressful situations, especially in situations where you don't necessarily um, know a lot of people. And so you... you latch on to connections where you can so um, that part didn't bother me at all oh well for me it did and that's why it's three pips Uh, (laughs) for me i went ahead and uh i I would rank this one um i mean if i'm sticking within the rules i guess i'll give it a three but i really think it's closer to three and a half um i would give it the full captain but i think it's just a tiny bit less than the first episode and so I don't want to rank it the I don't want to rank it exactly the same as the first episode because I think that one was just a little bit better, a little more pop. Um, this one it really did kind of feel like the second part of a trilogy, which oftentimes <laughs> it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's it's the middle of the story. So you don't there's not as much you don't get the excitement of the beginning of something new. Mm-hmm. And you don't get the conclusion of something. You're, you're just getting the middle of the story. And that's really what this episode kind of felt like. So, in that respect, even though I really did enjoy this episode, and there was only very, very, very few things that I could point out that I didn't like, I'll go ahead and rank it three pips, Commander. Okay. I enjoyed this episode more the second time I watched it. Mm. Uh, originally, I was thinking, mm, I'm going to rate this very, very low. Mainly, I think, because of that Romulan tech at the very beginning of the episode. And I think that, during my first watch, stuck with me. It took you out of it? Yeah, for the entire 44 (laughs) minutes or whatever it was. Second rewatch, I was a little bit more forgiving. Uh, So, ultimately, I'm rating this uh, two and a half pips, Lieutenant Commander. All right. I think you're being a little harsh, but I respect your opinion. (laughs) So let's move on to what I think is the better of oh, these episodes. Well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Star Trek Picard Season 1, Episode 3, The End is, is the Beginning. Is that a Bond title or what? That is the Bondiest Star Trek title ever. It could be, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm here for it because I love my I love me some Bond, too, so I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm just saying. Completely unaware of her special nature. Soji continues her work and captures the attention of the Borg Cube Research Project's executive director. After After rehashing past events with a reluctant Rafi, Picard seeks others willing to join his (laughs) search for Bruce Maddox, including pilot and former Starfleet officer Chris 
Cristobal. Cristobal. Cristobal Rios. 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 Cristobal. It's Rios. I wish I could do that. I can't roll my R's. Um. Yep. Can't roll your R's? <laughs> <laughs> no. So we have more flashback sequences. Your favorite. Um, and gives, yes. It, it gives us more insight into when Picard resigns and his relationship with Rafi. I love the uniforms. These uniforms are awesome. I wish and they were the uniforms for the entire show. I know. Um, <laughs> I I really like them. They're really cool. And since I read the three countdown comics, I totally love this scene mm. because obviously this takes place after that in the comics because, you know, the, the fleet was destroyed. It, it's great. I love that she calls him JL. I love their relationship. And I love that they did the de-aging technique on Picard just a little bit to show it was, you know, only a few years after Nemesis. It was like six years or whatever after after Nemesis. So it was super subtle. Like, if you didn't tell me he was de-aged, like, I would have just thought, oh, wow, okay. Like, I really couldn't tell. It was that right. seamless. No, yeah, it was, it was very well done because I didn't, I didn't catch it really until my third watch through, I think, when I looked at it. I was like, oh, hey, yeah, they did die back got, a little bit. He's got a few, like, less liver spots yeah. and, the, yeah. and that kind of thing. And... Can I just say, I'm so glad that the prop department made new pads. I love them. I, I'm, I'm getting sick of the holograms floating everywhere. I just, I love pads. And so I'm glad they had big giant pads. It's great. I, I really enjoyed this scene as well because it kind of helps. It starts to fill in the gaps between the comics and the series. Mm-hmm. Um, having read the comics also, it's like, okay, well, you know, if you just read the comics, you're like, okay, these two are thick as thieves. Like they're, you know, basically she's his number one in the, in this effort to, mm-hmm. to save the Romulans. And now all of a sudden she hates him. Like what, what? So I was glad to see this uh, breakdown between them and kind of giving us a, a hint as to what transpired to get them from there to here, you know, I, I I didn't have enough faith of the heart, I guess, to to get from there. To here. <laughs> I was just Originally, gonna say. I just realized I said it. I was like, oh, now I have to go. Now I have to go full enterprise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad that they gave us a little taste, and the fact that uh, Stewart himself has hinted that we're going to get more of that. And if you watch the ready room for this episode. Uh, Michelle Hurd also gives a little yep. bit of backstory and uh, hints that we're going to get more of her backstory, of Rafi's backstory about how she went from respected Starfleet officer to what we saw in this episode. And one of the cool things, like, because at the end of the second episode, he goes to visit her yes. to kind of tease this mission that he's on. And so you see in the end of the second episode, like how much she's like, get the hell out of here. She's pulling the gun on him. And then, and, and then you switch to this preview. And so people who didn't read the comic was like, wait, they had a history and you see, this is the start of their split. 
Uh, again, very well done flashback. I love that these flashbacks are informing the next part of the story. Yeah, uh, I mean, I like the I like the scene. I just don't like flashbacks. Um, so we see <laughs> Raffi and Rios smoking. Raffi was more hers was closer Vaping. to a vape. Um, yeah. Not 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 even truly a vape. It's a what future vape. Um, it's a, not an atomizer. What do they? Oh my god, they call it they they. A vaporizer. Uh, yeah, uh, but but no, not no. There's there's another word. I I know what you're. Yeah. I know what you're. There, people I know use you that to, to smoke pot and and things like that, um, where they actually use an oil as opposed to a liquid or something like that. They showed her like literally picking a leaf off of a flower and and putting it in this device to to smoke it, and then she later calls it snake leaf, and uh, indicates that it's that it is some sort of, of drug that she's doing essentially which I thought was a very interesting choice to show that, you know, we have an addict here. We have somebody who is, is literally addicted to the only time I think addiction, I mean, has been addressed in Star Trek maybe two or three times total over the course of, of the, of the series. Oh, like, like hollow addiction. Well, yeah. You and... had, you had uh, Barkley with his hollow addiction. You had the episode of TNG when, yep. The Trillium D. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where and then um, obviously with the with the Jim Hadar and the Ketrasel White and, and that sort of mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but that was all that was that was meant as a form of control, and it was always like these people are doing this to these bull. Whereas this is is more of a this is an individual who's making poor choices, and we're seeing it in real time, and I think it's a much more real character. Than we may have seen in Trek before, and I'm I'm definitely on board. I, I like this a lot. Um, I don't like that she's an addict. Like I'm like, oh yay, she's an addict. no. But I like the fact that she's a real human person who has issues, and you know, chose to deal with her issues in a, in an improper way, like many people do. And uh, hopefully, we'll see her uh, come out of that and come out better on the other side of it throughout the course of the series, which is a good message to be like, Hey, you may have problems, but you can get through it. You can be worthwhile. You are worthwhile. It's an important message to tell people who may be struggling with, with any sort of addiction. And, and Aaron, I, I, I get your point. Like, yeah, it's, you know, maybe it's something that humans did give up a long, a long time ago, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that, this series is showing that look the perfect world of the next generation you know is probably not as perfect as we thought it was and sure maybe like 99 percent of humans have like uh and i i recommend anyone watch these uh screen crush like easter egg videos that they're doing for picard Mm mm-hmm and because even they they pointed out a, a clip from Little Green Men, uh, the Deep Space Nine episode, and Cork even asked Nog like, "What's this smoking?" And it's like, "Oh yeah, they did these tobacco leaves, and it caused, uh, you know, damage to their internal damage." So, yeah, I mean, even you know, even other aliens don't like smoking, but we've it's not like we've never seen smoking in Star Trek before. And I don't know, I, I kind of like it that it shows that, 
yeah, even in other you know parts of the galaxy, you know, there's there's still like not perfect humans, and mm-hmm. you know other aliens still smoke and do drugs and and all that stuff. And right. I think you're seeing. I don't think it's a surprise that you see these two specific characters smoking because, you know, one's an addict that's been driven out of Starfleet for 14 years. And the other is like this loner captain guy who was in Starfleet like Rafi, but he saw his previous captain get killed very violently. And, you know, these are both people probably at like the bottom of the barrel of their lives. So, yeah, I think people in that situation would turn to vices like drinking and smoking. And we see both in this episode. And I always thought it was weird that in Star Trek in general, you know, they always made it seem like, Oh, smoking and and drugs are like the worst thing ever. Like I I remember there was even uh, one of the TNG episodes, (laughs) but this was like the nineties when it was like, say no to drugs. Exactly. I mean, even (laughs) <laughs> the, uh, one of the early episodes of TNG when when they were talking about how you know these people were doing these drugs and Wesley's like how could somebody become addicted to like how is this even possible don't know that it's been, like he's like it's straight after school special talk and I was like oh god like that was my shut up Wesley moment I'm mean, like it's not it's not Will Wheaton's fault he wasn't he didn't write the lines but yeah, at the same time I was like oh my god this is so cheesy but yet drinking was never an issue like yeah they had synthahol at one point but they always found their way around that didn't they they always somebody always had a stash of the real stuff so somehow even in the future (laughs) the the alcohol lobby has managed to keep themselves afloat (laughs) even while big tobacco and other pharmaceutical companies have gone under um it just always it it kind of was like confusing to me. It's like, okay, why are they okay with, you know, Scotty can wander around the ship getting drunk on Aldarian whiskey, <laughs> but anybody even mentions a cigarette, it's like the worst thing that ever happened. Like, I'm not condoning either, you know, as I sit here sipping my beer. Right. But um, I'm just saying, like, I think people should have the choice, and I like I I hate generalizations of like oh all humans gave this up years ago like no all humans don't do anything there has never been a case or will be a case in the history of the universe where all humans will do any one thing there are always going to be people who rebel against the standard or against the norm and you know something like this with 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 rios we see him he's smoking a cigar which uh you know arguably is well, it, it depends on how you smoke it, because in most cases, when you're smoking a cigar, you're not inhaling the smoke, so it's not actually doing as much damage to your lungs. It's only doing damage to your mouth and throat, as opposed to your mouth, throat, okay. and lungs. I'm not saying it's a safe alternative. I'm not like, hey, quit smoking and start chewing tobacco instead. No, it's it's still bad for you, but... Arguably, it's less bad for you than smoking cigarettes. And in most cases, most people who smoke cigars do so in a more social setting as opposed to a all-the-time-have-to-do-it type setting. Well, he, he wasn't really in a no, social situation. No, he was by well, he, His <laughs> version of social setting is uh, talking to his emergency holograms. but <laughs> Which are modeled after himself. 
Yeah, I thought that was an interesting choice. I liked it. I, I like how each of them had a different accent, though. But it was his face with a different accent. I think that is great for the actor. That actor must be having the time of his freaking life with this. I I, I, uh, I really enjoyed that choice. Like, um, but yeah, you know, like you said, with the with the smoking, it's something that they're kind of showing us that hey, you know what this perfect veneer that we're expecting to see from Starfleet. There is something else underneath that. There's real people here, and I think that's what we need to tell a good story now. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad we're seeing it. Um, but we are seeing it from the right people. We're not seeing, you know, the commander-in-chief of Starfleet kicking back with a cigarette. We're seeing <laughs> this, you know, disgraced ex-CO of a freighter ship that something bad enough happened that Starfleet evidently erased its existence from the records. You know, I hope we get some more story on that because I'm, I'm curious as to... More flashbacks! <laughs> Flashbacks oh, or exposition, I will take either one on that one, as long as we get to know what happened with uh, with Rios here. But yeah, I, I think we're seeing the right things from the right people to tell the story and and make it real, but still Star Trek. Again, yeah. it's a fine line, and I think they're doing a really good job of walking. Okay. So Raffi gets Picard in touch with the pilot, Captain Rios. His services come at some sort of cost... That cost isn't mentioned, whether it be Federation credits, go press latinum, or <laughs> other kinds of resources. This has always been a, I don't know. a sticking point for me, personally, yeah. because uh, Star Trek is always, in the Roddenberry era of Star Trek, it was always a post-money society. But yet, even in the very first episode of TNG, <laughs> you have Crusher saying, charge it to my account on, on the ship. It's like, charge what like how are you paying for this fabric that was just magically created for you on farpoint station like there's always going to be some sort of bartering system whether it be a money-based economy whether it be a service-based economy whether it be a barter-based economy there's always going to be some kind of trade and i think deep space nine kind of showed that best with the friend game like okay well you know what we're going to acknowledge that well, if you're a member of the Federation, you'll have your basic needs taken care of. If you want extras, you might have to, to figure out a way to get your hands on some gold press latinum or whatever you need to get to you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that they were unspecific about it. Like all mm-hmm. he said was because you know, he's I'm expensive. Yeah, he just said, I'm expensive. Like but he doesn't specify, like, is that expensive money-wise? Is he going to expect some sort of services in return? Um, oh, oh, you guys took that to a... I, I can sense that you guys took that to a, to a weird place. Oh, services. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's the future. Everybody's accepting of everybody else. You know, whatever. Indeed. Whatever floats your boat. Um, Raffi also seems a bit jealous of Picard's chateau and all that he has, all these material yep. things that he has. And she says she's living in a hovel. Yeah, and we have in First Contact, Picard talking about how they gave up material needs you know, so they don't get paid. <laughs> and the ships don't cost money. Yeah. 
So it, it's really confusing, really weird, and probably will never really get addressed. Yeah. Just like a lot of things on Star yeah. Trek. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> like I said, the, the whole idea of a post-money society, um, I mean, even with the advent of rep- replicators, which is like, that's the biggest step, I think, towards moving to mm-hmm. a post-money society. If there is no scarcity of goods, then there is definitely less need for money. But as they pointed out in Star Trek in the past, there are some things that, oh, well, this can't be replicated for whatever reason. The platinum, for whatever reason, can't be replicated. And that's why, you know, the uh, CNC, she was saying that, you know, that relief effort took so many resources of the entire Federation. So things like you were saying that can't be replicated, like dilithium, antimatter, you know, all the stuff they need to build starships. Yeah, there's so much stuff. And even though you have the replicators, those replicators take, you know, they convert energy into matter. You still have to have the energy. That's the other the other part of it. It's like, yes, replicators are one step, but then the other step is unlimited clean energy. You know, and we don't even have that yep. now. We have limited, very not clean energy is what we have right now. And we can't even turn that into matter. So we are very far from this, this ideal future. But the replicators, I think, are the biggest step that Star Trek has, the biggest stepping stone that they have to this post-money society. But even that, mm-hmm. there's so many other moving pieces that you're never going to get to a completely socialist society where nobody has to do anything for anybody ever unless they want to. However, you could get to a point where the majority of people are in this society where most things are taken care of and they can just pursue what they want to do and science mm-hmm. and arts and, you know... I want to be in Starfleet because I want to explore and this sort of thing. But there's always going to be those people on the fringes. And we're seeing Raffi totally on the fringes. Exactly. And Rios. And, uh, you know, we're seeing these people. And even even Dr. Drotti. Like, she is definitely not on the fringes to begin with. But then all of a sudden this legislation comes through that basically makes her entire life's work illegal. So now suddenly she finds herself on the fringes where she never was before. That's why I think this group that they brought together is so great because you've got these people who, you know, Picard's career long Starfleet up until fairly recently in comparison, you know, we're talking about 14 years out of 90 that he wasn't in Starfleet. And and then you've got Raffi who we learned in the uh, ready room has a dark past before Picard got her into Starfleet, or at least, I don't know if he got her into Starfleet, or if he just, if she got into Starfleet and then he took her under his wing. That hasn't yet been explored, but essentially we know that she had a dark past, and she got into Starfleet and was walking the straight and narrow, and then Picard quit, and she right back down again, so... Yeah, we've got this great group of people who are all right now on the fringe based on different circumstances. And I think it's a a fantastic way to bring this group together uh, for a a common goal. Yeah, absolutely. Next here, uh, holograms seem to be exempt from the synth BAM or 
Rios is breaking the law. He's not because Picard interacted with that hologram in the archives. Oh, yeah. Good point. So, but that raises another interesting thing. What about the doctor? Yeah. And is he a special case because he is still a, a life form? He is sentient. But remember in the Voyager episode, author, author, we saw you know, he's fighting for, you know, digital rights and, hey, my hollow novel got ripped off, yada, yada. And then at the end of that episode, we see all of his EMH Mark ones working mm-hmm. dilithium mines. Right. So I see where you're coming from the from this angle, Aaron. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think service like Starfleet holograms maybe they're like super restrictive in their programming. So that's why I think that's why the Starfleet archive one seems so robotic and like, and these have a little bit more personality because Rios programmed them that way. Right. But I want to know in this like synth anti synth future, what is going on with the doctor? And I really hope that seven of nine, when she comes into the series, whenever that is, I really hope at least the doctor is mentioned somehow. I I need to know what happened to the doctor. He's my favorite character in Voyager. And this whole like anti synth thing has got me really worried for his character. Yeah. I mean, does he have access to his hollow emitter? Right. Or is he just restricted into like one computer somewhere. And what happens, what happens to Dr. Zimmerman in all of this? Yeah. Oh, and his research season two, (laughs) (laughs) but know who we have seen in this episode. You. Oh my God. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I, I knew he was coming, but I just love how matter of fact this episode introduces him. There's no like big reveal. There's no dramatic music cue. I just love how natural it all is. And mm-hmm. that's the thing we're finding out through the episode, through dialogue. It's not like the show went dun, dun, dun. It's Hugh. It's, it's like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you find out through the dialogue. And I, I loved it. I loved his appearance. I love that the scar follows the exact same contour of his implant. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love whatever that technical vest is that he's got on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's so cool. And he's like, oh, well, I'm the director of the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, of course you are because, (laughs) because you're like the first case of reclamating a Borg. It's, it's fantastic. Right. Right. No, no, I, I could understand. Yeah. And that's, that was the moment that I had to like pause the show and explain things to, to my wife for just a moment. And it was not because of what was happening in the show. It was because of my reaction to seeing Hugh on the screen. I was like, he pops up on the screen. I was like, Hugh! And he was like, who? I'm like, no, Hugh! <laughs> and I was like, okay, hold on. Hugh. A Pause the show. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. Who's on first? You get the Borg, or like, we, we've talked about what the Borg are, and that this is, you know, okay. 
Uh, Hugh was in an episode of Next Generation. He was a Borg, and then they uh, they separated. He was separated from the Collective. He got uh, an individuality back, and uh, okay. Anyways, I gave her the brief version of I Borg, basically, and then we continued, and it, it, it was fine. But again, it was something that, minus my reaction to it, she wouldn't have missed a beat. You know, it wasn't something that she needed to know to understand the story. It was just she needed mm-hmm. to know to understand my reaction to the story. And I like how he kept the name Hugh. And maybe I wonder if he knows of his past at all, or if it was something that well, was lost. I don't think it was lost. Well, I mean, what do you mean by his past? Like before he was assimilated, or yes, yeah, before he was assimilated. That is unclear because I think in mm. Iborg and in Descent, they didn't really delve into whether or not he had any memory before being assimilated. Uh, I would assume that he has all of his memories from Iborg on. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as memories before assimilation, that. Maybe we'll find out, but it's it's unclear as of right now because the XBs, as they're being called, the X-Borgs, we've only had limited interaction with them thus far. Right. Really just right. you and the, the small number of the quote-unquote disordered Romulans that were uh, XBs. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. They're the only ones that seem to have this adverse effect. From being assimilated. Yeah, and and we're revealed something in this episode that only asks more questions about that. You know, so we know that this group of Romulans are the only ones that are quote unquote disordered, but we also know that that was the last group of beings assimilated by that cube before it suffered its submatrix collapse. Mm-hmm. So the question is now. Did this happen because Romulans are, and Borg are just incompatible? As soon as the Borg tried to assimilate Romulans, they everything just went to heck? Or was there something specific about these Romulans? Or was it just, it, it just happenstance? Like, okay, there was a collapse, and it just happened right after these people were assimilated, therefore they got messed up in the head because of that collapse. Like, there's a lot of question marks still here as far as what's going on exactly with that whole situation. In in Unity, uh, in Voyager, we saw that there was a Romulan that was assimilated. So I think it might have something to do with these specific Romulans. Because Hugh said he only thinks that these are the only Romulans to be yeah, assimilated. Yeah, he, he said these are the only Romulans to ever be assimilated that we know of. So, yeah, there was, in the episode Unity of Voyager, we've seen a assimilated Romulan. And remember, in the neutral zone, we heard that there were Romulan colonies that were taken destroyed. over by the board, or destroyed. But, yeah. but come on, they, they yeah. probably got assimilated. <laughs> yeah, one or two at least, right? So one of these Romulans apparently is a fortune teller and knows something's up. Or a, a newscaster. Uh, <laughs> and knows I thought that was an, a very interesting piece of dialogue when they were yeah. when, when she was working with her and she was, you know, kind of like, Okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to get into somebody like it's 
it's very interesting because it, it's essentially, you know, like a therapist. That, that's her job. That, that is what she does is essentially a therapist for these XBs you know, to try and help them regain life after being bored. And so she's coming at it from kind of a therapist perspective. And this woman is very much a mental patient in this sense. So it's, it's interesting to, to see this interaction between them is it's like, is she a fortune teller or does she just know some things and she's processing them in a way that it, it, she's trying to make sense of the information she has in the context she has it. And so she's using these cards and these fortunes, quote unquote, to, to tell the story. It seems like everything's a jumble in there. She says, I met you from tomorrow. It's, it's really weird how this Rymelin's perceiving things, and that's mm. definitely going to play a role further along. I think there just might be a huge connection somewhere in the past with Romulans and possibly the Borg. And I don't know if they're creating a secret sect that is really concerned about technology and synthetic life. What kind of traumatic event could have happened thousands of years ago? What if they created the Borg? Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that that would be an interesting uh, twist to it. It would give reason why the Borg were destroying outposts along the neutral zone mm-hmm. uh, in the first season of of the Next Generation. So that would definitely be an interesting place to go with it. Soji calls her, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, <laughs> mother. And the mother says, Dodge is fine. She just talked to her, and she's thinking about Adopting a puppy. I really liked this scene because you see this. So you see the same woman who was telling uh, Dodge originally to go back to Picard, even though Dodge hadn't told her that she'd gone to Picard. So we have this uh, connection again where we're like, okay, well, is she a hologram? Is she being controlled by something? Is like, who is this woman that these people that that these androids think is their mother? But you also notice that she starts talking just like random, like blah, 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 blah. But she also triggered something and knocked her the crap out so that she would stop asking the questions. I have a theory that the mother is actually Bruce Maddox in disguise. I think it's Bruce Maddox. I don't don't know about in disguise. I would say Mm. controlling a holographic representation of a woman. But (laughs) But no, no, I I actually... You know what I mean. Not in disguise. I actually do agree with you on that. I think that uh, either Maddox or uh, if not Maddox, somebody who's taken over, because we're still not 100% sure if we're going to see Maddox or not. It's possible that somebody took over his word. We don't know yet. Um, He could have uh, uploaded (laughs) his brain to a cybernetic body. Remember that TNG episode where Data's quote-unquote, was it Granddad? downloaded his brain into data so could it be possible that bruce maddox transferred his brain into this woman (laughs) no Uh, probably not that but into a android body i don't know maybe maybe not probably not no whatever this free space or cloud free cloud is 
Free Cloud. Yeah, I'm dying to know what that is. I think we're going to get our Star Trek equivalent of the Moss Eisley Katina or like Space Casino. I think it's a yeah. Space Casino. A space Casino. Yeah, you would be a Space Casino, I guess. Well, no, because when I, she get, found the logo for it, there was like cling, 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 and then like the oh, dice. Okay. Oh, were there dice? Yeah, there were like holographic dice. It was like an ad for Free Cloud. I think it's literally a gambling spot. Interesting. I wonder if we'll run into Quark. Rewatch that episode again. I should. Did you see it a second time or no? I saw I saw it twice. Okay. Yeah, I did see it twice. So Commodore O visits Gerardi to find out oh. why she visited Picard. Or Picard visited her. Rather. Here's a good question. Why does a Vulcan need sunglasses when they have an inner eyelid that T'Pol said that they do on Vulcan? Well, see, when Spock, when his inner eyelid closed, he was blind. Oh. Well, that's a problem with him, then. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think forgot that. that. Um, I, I don't think that's why. But I think that inner eyelid's just like a protection um, and for, intense, for the intense sun. But I don't think it's like something that they could see through. Oh, yeah, good point. Um, and plus, even if it was like a Romulan, wouldn't they have the same thing? Yeah, yeah, they would. They would probably have the same thing. I think it's just to show that she's like a bad guy. Uh, yeah, it, it could be like hiding her intentions in the eyes. Yeah, but it did no favor for her ears because they were like, <laughs> oh yeah, they I were like that was a hair thing. They were like Yoda. We have Romulans attacking Picard at his home. This was such a great scene. Oh my god. god. That whole thing was intense. It was intense. Uh, oh, I I did not expect that. As soon as he like dropped the fruit and things exploded, I'm like the first time I watched it, I'm like, what the hell is happening? What is this? Like Teresa and I were freaking out. We're like, what the fuck? I mean, that was just that was out of nowhere. Yeah, you, oh, it was a it was fantastic awesome. scene. I just loved it. Yeah, he's like got the <laughs> apple or whatever the heck it was, and he drops it, and as soon as he bends down, it's like that phaser bolt or, or disruptor bolt or whatever, like blows up the wall behind him, and they're just like immediately snap into action. Like immediately, he goes from, "Hey, look, I'm giving you oh. some bread and cheese and wine to go on your trip to," I'm a trained uh, killer that is going to protect Taushiar right now, agent. Like. The, the transformation was instant. And it was amazing. Yeah, Loris and Jabon were freaking amazing. Yeah, it, it was a it fantastic was scene. I really love the way you know you, you see them fighting. It was a, it was a very well choreographed fight scene, as we've seen in this show before. Even though this isn't, yeah, and they've talked about it in uh, the Ready Room that they're focusing on the drama for this show more so than the action and adventure portion of it. But there is some action and adventure going on, and they give us a great, great fight scene here. Very visceral, very realistic as far as, you know, it can be with, with you know, phasers and disruptors and whatnot. But even the fact that they had the hidden guns all over the place, and even Picard yeah. knew where those were as like a security precaution. I I know, it's just like... Yeah, you have Romulan uh, Taushiar, ex-Taushiar agents as your caretakers, and this is the kind of precautions that you see. It was smart. It it totally informed about the how prepared they are when crap hits the fan. I love that Picard even, like, 
he tries to join the fight at one point, and and all he's got is his cane to try and fight off these Romulan attackers that are like in the prime of their lives, and he's like over here with a cane trying to attack them. It's like, dude, just just lay low until the fight's over. You've got trained killers here to help you. Like, you don't have to go after this guy with your cane. But the fact that he has a cane <laughs> makes me sad. I'm like, I don't want him to die. <laughs> I just, I love Picard. Oh, he's fantastic. Well, I, I love that. I love the the whole scene, start to finish, especially at the end when Doctor Gerardi comes in. You know, but yeah, the the actual fight sequence itself was very well choreographed, uh, very intense. Um, the part where Laris gets slammed up against the mirror, and you're seeing it from behind the mirror. Essentially, and you know, oh, yeah. get that I smash, she was dead. and the, the glass breaks, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. Um, well, when when that last Romulan came through the door and was about to blast him, I'm like, "Crap, one of them's gonna die!" And then there was Gerardi, and the whole fact that she's like, "Oh, maybe it was unstunned." <laughs> and I like that scene because they also give us some more information on the Romulan anatomy a little bit we learn that Rymlands with forehead ridges come from the north yeah she called him a stubborn northerner just like Which you she said she said to uh javon there and i like that it was a throwaway line too because mm, we noticed yeah. that difference just visually you know ever since episode one but for them to have a throwaway line like that where it's like okay yeah there's different regions of of romulus so uh, at the end here, we have Gerardi and Raffi signing to join Ricard on this journey to where Raffi traced Bruce Max to. Like we mentioned, a place called Free Cloud. And I, I thought it was interesting that in her, you know, she was searching through this information that Dr. Gerardi had provided to Ricard uh, about Maddox. And she managed to find, like, she found some kind of hidden... It was basically kind of like uh, email headers, essentially. It was it was nothing more than that, but it was just enough to give her a little hint. But did you notice that one of, like, the subjects or the, the coding on there was horn eggs? Yeah. I thought that was interesting that that was, like, the coding that was used to encrypt the the email or the, the, the transmission or whatever. And that's what ended up leading her to this free cloud place, which I'm assuming I'm I'm thinking that this is something like, uh, you know, like an Orion outpost type of situation where we're you know, essentially a lawless area, an area that's, you know, not under the jurisdiction of the Federation or any other mm. groups, you know, like, you know, there, it, it's probably like one of these places where they're just like, listen, we don't. We don't adhere to any of their laws. Everything here is just you do what you want to do. And if that pisses somebody else off and they kill you for it, then, well, that's what happens. You know, kind of wild, wild west type of situation going on. Yeah, that definitely goes along with what uh, Mr. Burry says with the, the gambling and the... Uh, it, it makes sense for it to be like a seedy yeah. place. I, I guess that's interesting. I like totally and then there were like that. dice that like um, fell out on on the table and yeah you gotta rewatch that her. that scene i i guess i mean i saw it said free cloud but i i guess i didn't pick up on 
anything else. In the, it's on okay that to screen. admit that you were in a snake leaf induced wow. haze at that time oh. and uh, didn't catch it. Well, one one thing I, I wanted to add, uh, which I thought was kind of funny and was uh, really telling of the relationship that uh, Rafi and Picard had was when he just popped up and he's like, oh, are you looking into that thing? Oh, here's all the files. Uh, okay, yeah. goodbye now. And she's like rolling her eyes like, because of course he knows her. And I just thought it was it was kind of like, oh, this damn cute old man. Like, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just such a funny, like innocent moment. He's like, are you looking into that thing? Oh, well, here's all the files. Uh, okay, bye. And it was just, it was great. It was great. <laughs> that moment and the very end uh, of the episode were my favorite moments between her and Picard. Because I love the fact that, so we obviously get the, the, the fan service of Picard standing at the, at the captain's chair and saying, engage. And of course, us as fans, we are all Dr. Gerardi at that moment. We're like, oh, he said it. Oh, my God, he said it. <laughs> but then they pan over to Raffi, who's just like, oh. <laughs> I love the difference between, like, Dr. Drotty's like, oh, my God, I heard Captain Picard say engage. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Raffi's just like, oh, my like, God, do they, again. The Federation, do Federation citizens know that's, like, his catchphrase? Well, evidently, uh, she does. <laughs> Because the, oh, okay. the look on her face was like, oh my gosh, I just heard that. And Rafi's look yeah. was like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. It was, it was a fantastic juxtaposition of the, of the reactions between these two women to him saying that line. So what do you guys... Um, this is a episode? full captain for me. Engage. I concur wholeheartedly. Yes. I believe this ranked right up there with the first episode. Um, if I were to give a ranking mm -hmm. to the first three episodes as a combined total, I'd give them an admiral because I think this little chapter wow. that they've given us with these first three episodes was a fantastic introduction to this story. And I can't wait to see where we go from here. Yeah, I really like this episode uh, and I'm going to rate it the same that I rated the first episode, three pips commander you just don't want to get your hopes up do you you're just you're really just you're, you're really just managing your expectations <laughs> well, I, aren't you three pips <laughs> three pips is is uh pretty darn good uh, there's there's just something about these episodes that i just don't want to give it that that extra pip not yet anyway you're you're, you're saving that pip for something you're, special you're leaving room for growth that's okay <laughs> i am so after seeing these episodes this first chapter of Star Trek Picard. What do you do? You, you have any predictions uh, for what will happen? Oh, uh, okay. Here's something that I I've noticed just from like all the previous trailers and all that stuff. So yeah, there's this big push to go back into space, but at some point they come back to earth for some reason, because he visits Riker yeah. and Troy in Alaska I assume seven of nine right. shows up in his chateau. So I don't know what's going to happen. Like maybe wherever they go yeah. is a dead end and they have to come back 
mm-hmm. for more information or something. So okay. I think I think we might be coming back to Earth sooner than we think. Okay. Other than that, I have no idea. I, I hope they find Bruce Maddox. I hope it's the same actor with his hippie goatee <laughs> that he has now on his university page. I, I I just I don't know what to expect in, from this show, and I love it. I love that all of our preconceptions are are out the window. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I think you know, like I said, this first chapter was all kind of focused on Earth, with the exception of what's happening on this Borg cube. But then it ended with us going out into space with Picard again. But I really feel like both Patrick Stewart and the producers have kind of felt that Picard in space is something that's been done uh, for, you know, many, many years. So I, I think that we're, we're going to see minimal Picard in space action. And, you know, it's going to be mostly, mm-hmm. you know, he's going out, obviously he's mm-hmm. going to wherever this Romulan settlement is next episode. That's the preview that we've seen. We know that he's going to be going to some Romulan settlement to try to recruit some more people for his crew. We don't know yet where this free cloud is located. We don't know if they're going to find it, if they're going to get to it, or if they're going to find out if, if Maddox is actually there or not. I think eventually we will see the disparate groups that we've got out currently in the storyline come together. Where that takes place is still a question. Are we going to see... Picard on a board cube again? Or are Soji and Narek going to come to Earth? To, you know, they're going to get together. I My prediction is that at some point we are going to see Picard and Narek and Soji in the same room together. Where that room is, I have no clue. You know, is it going to be on a ship? Is it going to be in space? Is it going to be on some Romulan settlement somewhere, is it going to be in Picard's house? You know, who knows? But I think we are going to see them together at some point. I dig that. I dig that. So my my prediction is Narek will end up falling in love and protecting Soji. Um, maybe even, uh, you know, sacrificing himself uh, for her. So our next episode that we do will be a dual episode again of episodes four and five. So, Mr. Barry, if we were to look for you on the internet, how would we find you? You can find me at truckyb 47 on Instagram and Twitter, mainly Twitter, and that's where you can find me. Nice. Uh, Mr. Dewey, where would we find you? Well, first you'd need to open up a secure Tor browser and go to freecloud.onion. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You can find me at Eric J. Dewey on most social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped. And uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at Nova Charter, uh, including uh, Twitter, Instagram, as well as Untapped. So, until next time... uh, Thank you for listening, and uh, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and
Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com, on Twitter and Instagram at sfescapepod, and on Facebook.com slash sfescapepod.